That's incredible. And we are live. Oh, Welcome right. back, everybody, to part two of episode 13. We're discussing on the Voice of Millennials podcast tonight. Um, we are discussing once again um, the respect between uh, the, the millennials and Gen Z generations. 13? Yeah, episode 13. It's uh it's 15. It's episode 15. Oh, well, I mean, I just put like part 2 for episode uh, for episode. Oh, right. But yeah. But technically yeah, it is episode 15. Man, we're running up to 20 quick. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um as y'all as y'all come in, more grace. Um go ahead and uh put put the uh, put a like up on the on our post and and share it and go ahead and and grab some some popcorn or something because we're just gonna we're just gonna hop into it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and share right now myself. Yeah, me too. Caleb's gonna be the main one, kind of driving the boat tonight. Um, but those of you that are here, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. My wife's in the chat. Hey, babe. Hey, nay, nay. Respect. Um, <laughs> Whew, I'm trying to wake up. <laughs> I am trying to wake up. Um, I shared. <laughs> yeah, I need to share too. Hold on. So yeah, talking on um on the subject of respect, and we got. Well, I mean, we got off to a lot of you know different uh, rabbit tail rabbit trails, I guess you could say. Um, I mean, it is what it is because you know, respect is a broad, is a broad subject that you can um, kind of branch out to other, other parts of of life. So it's um, it's definitely a broad subject that you could you could really just go go many many different places with it. Um, and you know, you know us, we we love to go different places. We like we like to chase rabbit trails and everything just to. Just to kind of try, at least attempt to cover all the bases. But um, anyways, thank y'all for being with us. Thank y'all for supporting the uh, the the page and the channel and everything. If you did not know, we are we are on Spotify and we are on Apple Podcasts, so you can search up Voices of Millennials podcast and it'll be right there. Um, if you don't have time to like actually watch the podcast, <clears throat> that's a great alternative. You could have it running in the background while you're driving or cooking or something like that. Like, um, this this right here is honestly better than gossiping. I'm gonna go ahead and start off like that. <laughs> people people uh, like to have conversations about other people and everything. But honestly, why don't we start the, making the normal thing, having conversations like this where we kind of discuss things that are important. They're things that are important. They're things that affect us. There's things. They're things that affect um, children, our, our children, um, and even the generations before us. You know, all the all the conversations that we've had have always been about topics that are um, conversation starters and stuff that you can be talking about for weeks, honestly. Um, so keep in mind that we don't we don't discuss every single thing here, but what we want to do is we want to start the conversation for everybody else to kind of pick up and. And go out and discuss it with your friends and discuss it with your spouses. And I mean, that that's really the goal here. We just want to be hot provokers. Well, yeah. So Caleb, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you. You can uh continue to drive the boat for this uh for this segment. 
All right. All right. Um, again, um, as Philip would say, uh, more grace, everybody. Um, more grace. We sort of, uh, we, to just do a quick recap, um, um, we, we are pretty much talking about, uh, you know, what is a disconnect between the older and ge younger generation um, and also, you know, what we've experienced in terms of uh, respect to the older generation. And we uh, we talked about it and, um, you know, gave our 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 um, perspectives when it comes to respect. Um, personally, I feel that uh, we kind of need to have just more communication between the generations um, because uh, because we don't have any communication, we uh, we assume a lot of bad things about each other, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why um, we have this divide and disconnect that we do. So, um, uh, so we're gonna hop into the next question here. Uh, should we define re should we define respect? Like, should we redefine respect? Uh, Philip, should we re redefine respect? I don't really think we need to redefine it. I think we need to clarify it. Um, because you have one generation that believes that respect is doing everything that they say without question. And then you have one generation that believes that um, you should instruct or say things that are respectable in order to receive the respect that you so desire. So I think that really doesn't need to necessarily be redefined, but it needs to be clarified. Like there needs to be candid communication between generations that would be able to um, effectively communicate respect and, 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 and the fact that, um, I mean, like I said, an, an, older, an older generation would just like, I mean, we, we probably heard it from our parents, like, you know, they tell us to do something and then we ask why and usually their answer is because i said so but now we have a generation of parents that when they say something and when their kids ask why they usually end up going into a long drawn out explanation and lecture about why and um neither is necessarily bad or good honestly i i i, I think that we should I mean, at, at least when it comes to parenting, and I'll just talk about that. When it comes to parenting, I do, I do think that when parents speak, like children should listen, point blank. Um, I think that that's a sign of respect and that's a sign of honor. And the Bible does instruct us to honor our parents. So, um, yeah, and and, and that and that in that regard, yes, you should definitely just kind of do what they say. But then, on the other hand, if you as a parent do tell your child to do something and even though i'm not a parent i'm just this just kind of seems like something that is is ethical and kind of common sense but if you you know tell somebody to do something or or, or not even just as a parent but as, but as a leader or someone who is looked up to if you instruct somebody to do something um and they ask why you should have the character enough to explain to them why at least before or after you know, you should at least have the character enough to be able to explain your thought process so that whenever whoever you're leading grows up or or uh, or progresses in, in life or career or something like that, they know what to do, but they also know why they're doing it. 
and this is an issue why you know we we discussed it you know we talked about why uh a lot of our our, our generation has left the church and mainly it's because most of the leaders and the parents just said do as i say and they didn't really explain what they believe like the questions that our generation has had about what they believe most of those questions weren't answered so that's why they were just like all right well i'm gonna go over here or i'm gonna seek out a different um denomination or organization or i'm just gonna leave faith altogether because it's been misrepresented so um so that's what I think. So, so, just, so Justin, I'll go ahead and pass it to you and let you answer the question. Um, should we yeah. redefine what respect means? Um, I, I don't know. I think you, you said it perfectly. We need to clarify what respect is. And I think that really when we start looking at the different generations, um, there are different things that make us feel like we are being respected as far as actions are concerned um but respect has to do with holding someone in high regard and so one of the things i think we have to consider is that if you don't truly hold someone in high regard you don't respect them and i think sometimes we will look at the actions of a person and say well they are they have respect for me and it's not necessarily that they have respect for you as much as it is that they know how to be polite so i think one one thing though as it pertains to respect i think that we have to understand and that maybe we don't always understand it, and it's something i'm coming to to grasp more recently is that sometimes even though the person may not have earned your respect, the office that they hold should be respected. And and that's whether you're talking about parents or pastors or people in various forms of leadership, that um, sometimes you can't treat someone according to how they are. You have to treat them according to what they do, to what what office they hold. So right. I think, you know, regardless of whether you liked President Trump or not, he was still the president. Regardless of whether you like uh, Joe Biden or not, he's still the president. It doesn't matter who he is, and you don't have to respect him, but you do have to respect the office. Sure. Um, sure. And I think that that is one thing to, to understand that, you know, um, Sometimes you have to treat people according to what they do. Um, but in general, when we start talking about this whole generational argument, um, I, I think we need to bring clarity to what respect is. And then also, when mo most of the issues we're having, I don't think are issues of respect or disrespect. I think it's, an, it's issues of uh, expressions of points of view. And, you know, like we discussed previously, when either group feels like their point of view is not heard, then they feel disrespected. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, if we're gonna speak as Christians, we have to have the conversation of, if I don't honor the diversity of thought, 
am I really honoring God? Yeah. Because God has created us as human beings um, with diversity, diversity of color, diversity of thought, diversity uh, uh, of sound. So, I mean, there, there's not one human that is exactly the same. And so if I'm unwilling to accept the idea that somebody else, um, somebody else just feels differently or thinks differently or sees differently than I do. Um, I, I think we have to understand that that is also a, a dishonor to God. So, you know, I think that's just another thing to to, to consider. Um, that diversity is is a part of the creation of God. Yeah. Um, but that, that's really all I would have on that. I think we need to have clarity. Um, and, and I, you know, it's one thing to have communication. I think we've been having communication. I don't know that we've had clear communication. Mm. Yeah. And so maybe some of the dialogue needs to not be about what we feel. Yeah. Right. And, and maybe some of the dialogue needs to have a greater purpose than making either generation feel better. Yeah. Um, I think that that is probably the biggest issue of the disconnects is that there is no higher purpose in a lot of the communication other than your generation makes us feel this way. And, you know, so that's vice what regardless of whether it's the young to the old or the old to the young, so much of it is based off of, hey, this is how it made me feel, but I think we need to have a greater purpose than our feelings in our dialogue. And that's the only way that we're really going to solve the uh, the issues or you know bridge some of the gap is if we have some purpose that's greater than what we feel. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's... It's it's I think it's important that we need to redefine it and um, like both of you said, hear each other, um, because that will definitely um, that will definitely soften a lot of that animosity that has been building up between yeah. generations. Um, you know, I've, I've just seen so much animosity between the young generation towards the old and then vice versa. And honestly, um, you know, it's just ridiculous. And the only way we can we can accomplish big things especially if we're talking in terms of the kingdom of god the only way we can accomplish big things is, is if we're together right so um i have this saying it's called unity equals revival without unity you will not have revival and i sure. see the older generation uh you know talking about oh we're gonna see revival and i see the younger generation talking about oh we're gonna see the re revival but neither one of those generations understand that you cannot have revival if you're not unified with your younger brother or your older brother you need to be unified because if you're not revival is not going to happen <clears throat> that was one of the unity was one of the prerequisites to revival in acts mm -hmm. it's like the first thing it says they they were all sitting in the you know in the upper room in one accord one place one accord you know what i mean so uh we definitely need to um, to foster that sort of unity, and and um, I think it starts with uh, understanding one another, or 
choosing choosing to understand one another and um not view our brother and sister as the enemy um but uh next question um i mean i think we kind of touched on this uh how should we move forward to create harmony between generations and i think i think we kind of covered covered that uh one thing i do want to tag on about that though when we start talking about harmony and all of those things I think another thing to consider is that I don't know that there will ever be a moment where there isn't some sort of friction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there, when when you're talking about different points of view, we can't take out the fact that we are human. Right, mm-hmm. we can't take, and, and that's on, on on either side. You know, we are humans that are dealing with emotions, and so when we make these strides, I think we have to understand we're trying to make things better. We're trying to make things, you know, take out the unnecessary parts of um of. I'll put it this way. This is, I, I guess, this is what I, what the way I would see it. I don't think we can get rid of disagreement. And so, if if we're trying to bridge the gap, it doesn't. I don't know that it means we all see things the same way. Yeah. I don't know that unity means that we all have the same point of view. I mm. think unity means that we understand how and where to give each other the space to be ourselves. Yeah. I don't I don't expect an older generation to change everything that they do and and give up total uh you know um authority over to a younger generation and neither do I expect a younger generation to completely sit around and wait uh you know, eternally uh, under the guise of respect or honor either. Um, I think that we have to get to a point where we understand where to give each other space, mm-hmm. how to, you know, we, we've got to know how to do that. Um, I think that's probably been the big, one of the biggest problems in attempts to whenever we get around these conversations everyone seems to be pulling for everyone seeing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And And, that's honestly what's gotten in the way of unity and, um, and honestly, just harmony across and honestly, harmony across the body of Christ. Because how many, how many denominations are there? Right. You know what I mean? And it's not because, Oh, this one is, I mean, there are, some of them that are just heretically wrong, like they are just, you know, they take this, sure. they take the scripture, completely twist it into something that it's not. But we're just talking like the general people, right? Right. And it's not, it, they're, they're not, they're not separated because, oh, um, you know, we're Christians and they're not. It, they're separated because, oh, I just have a different opinion than that guy does. Absolutely, and 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 I think. And sometimes it it's a matter of opinion on really small things. 
Like yep. in the grand scheme of things, we agree on more than what we disagree with. And I think that that even tags into the generational uh, discussion. We agree on more than we disagree on. And we tend to disagree on little things, but the little things make big separations because we allow small things to be relationship breakers. Mm. And I think we have to get to a point where we um, champion love above everything else. And, and I think even going back to that uh, statement I made earlier about having a, a purpose that is greater than our feelings, I think that unity and love uh, is a worthy purpose to make greater than our feelings, um, to, to realize that it is important for us to stick together in spite of the feelings that um, as humanity, uh, as the church, as black people, as whatever you are, uh, whatever community uh, your context is within, that the unity in that community is more important than what anybody feels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that your probably... emotions don't get to destroy the strength of the group. Mm. It's so true. I mean, one thing that sure. I think people overlook when it comes to unity is um, when it comes to unity, you're, people are supposed to dwell in, in harmony. And when it comes to harmony, come on, like, take a take a, a guitar, for instance. This is so good. Every note. I know. <laughs> and facts. What, what's crazy is. The, like so like take the bass guitar so like the bass usually you hit one string at a time but if you really want to take it to the next level you got to hit that other string and you want if even when you're playing like an, an acoustic guitar you got to play all the strings with each other in harmony in order to create the melody that protrudes from, from the guitar that is so like good Whenever people don't get the don't get the concept of unity, like we're not so, we're like yes, we're supposed to agree doctrinally, but when it comes down to personality, when it comes down to opinions, when it comes down to personal preference, you're not meant to think the same in that aspect. Yeah. Because everybody's when, new. On. When God called people into the kingdom of God, He called them as a person. Right. Want, he wants to make you like him, but he wants you to be the best version of you that you can be, not to be like everybody else. So when it comes to unity, people have to realize that unity is basically people coexisting in harmony. Like you bring your tune to the guitar, you bring your tune, you bring your tune, you bring your note, and together we make the music. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're only playing one note at a time, you sound basic. Yeah, very there's no basic. depth. There's no dy dynamics. There's, there's no, no power. There's no power. Not none of that. And 
what happens is, is you have well, this analogy is. a group and even and even even a, a a sector that 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 we came from you have groups of people that think that they are the end all be all of salvation of the bride of christ they think they're the end all be all of perfection and holiness and etc and that's just simply not the case because yeah. if you were if, if it was just you and if it was just people that voted like you dressed like you etc then there would be no power within the church there would be no power no dynamic there would be no and really our witness would be affected because if you go somewhere and see somebody be and, and see everybody is like the, the same and then you stand out then what happens is you become the outcast Mm-hmm. People don't don't treat you the same because they don't feel as if you're as holy or something. Yeah. I'll give you an example, um, like like Caleb and I, like like we talked. I, I don't know if it was the last uh, if, it, if it was the last episode, but like um, me, I have two looks. I can either look like your CEO, or I could just look like a a very fashionable bum. <laughs> I can wear my joggers and my Jordans and everything. Well. When you have, how do I how do I say this delicately? So as a, as a, as a minister, right? I am not the kind of person that walks around with a button down jeans, cowboy boots, and a sport coat, thinking that I look good when really I look tacky. I'm not that person, okay? <laughs> but when I wear my hoodies and my J's. It looks different because you have this group over here that's looking a certain way, and then you got me, and then another group of people that look another way. And it's not that either one is wrong; it's that each have their personal preference. Right. Yeah. Let's right. let's push that a little bit because you're talking about dress code, and I think that this is one of those uh, generational divides. Oh, about Definitely a small thing that festers into a huge thing. Yeah, yes. for sure. For sure. You know, you've got one group who thinks every time you show up to church, you should wear a suit and a tie and a dress shirt. Speak and on some it. Some even go into having certain colors of shirt. Men can't wear pink uh, shirts. If you stand in the pulpit, you have to have a white shirt on. Um, you know, all of these different types of things we've heard, all of these rules. And then you have another generation who says, hey, I will come to the pulpit in a pair of jeans, uh, a throwback and some J's. Um, and and we have a whole discussion and debate and rebuke. And you've got a whole nother group who thinks if you step up to minister, you must wear a, a robe that, you know, you've got all of these various uh, degrees and levels of, of dress code, uh, if you will. And and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you're wearing as long as, I mean, you're not going to wear a Speedo, but like if you're covered, <laughs> you know, um, who cares? Yeah. You yeah. Know, but I mean, one one thing with that is I, I heard because I, I'm pretty sure I asked this question when I was young and the answer I received because I, I asked I was like why do we wear like formal clothes to church you know 
Like, when did this become a thing? You know what I'm saying? And the answer I received, I don't, I don't even know who told me, but they were like, well, when you come to church, you should give God your best. And I'm like, okay, twinkle, twinkle, fair, fair enough. But who gets to decide what best is for everybody? Absolutely. Like, like some people, like for me, like, yes, I have suits and I got ties, dress shirts. But when, if somebody says that to step out in your best, like, I got Travis Scott dunks, Nike, like Nike SB dunks, you know? I got, I got, I got, I got um, Fear of God Essential joggers and stuff. Like, that's, that's kind of my best because, like, if you know anything about fashion, those are very high-end brands that are heavily sought after. And um, I like that stuff. And when I think of my best, if ever I want to step out and look my best, that's what I would wear. Sure. Thanks. But most people, especially the older generation, translate best as informal. Very formal suit and tie type thing, and just like you said, like like now in church, like you know, you have one sector of people that wanna, uh, you know, have you have to wear suit and ties, um, and certain most of the time white shirts, and then you got another sector that wears robes, and then one sector that they'll straight up wear J's and preach to you. Yeah. Some wear biker vest and preach to you. <laughs> I, I've seen shorts. So, yeah, yeah, me too. I've seen shorts before too. Yeah, one one of the other reasons that I've heard for uh, formal wear or semi-formal wear, I guess it would be really, um, is that you know you should come before or come to church like you're going to be in the presence of a king, since you're going to be in the presence of God. And I think you know I used to take that until I thought about it. Isn't God's presence everywhere? He's on the, he's on the presence. Isn't God? <laughs> let me mess with their theology real quick. Isn't God's presence at the beach? <laughs> wait a minute now. We we about to go I'm somewhere else. <laughs> Oh, man. But, 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 but for real, and so, 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 so Emily, Emily brings up a good point. When I think of, of church clothes, I'm thinking like business casual, you know? But yeah, even business casual is subjective to some people. Absolutely. Because some people, people think, think business that business casual, casual is a polo and a pair of jeans. Yeah, some you people know. think that it's just khakis, yeah, and, 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 a, and a shirt with a collar. Most people just say that a shirt with a collar, and that's business casual. So it's just like, at what point do we stop looking at minuscule things like that, right? And respect the fact that most people are mo are usually making the effort. You know, like so if somebody wears jeans to an event and they're the only person wearing jeans at that event, you don't know if that's the best pair of jeans that they got, and they were like, "I think I want to wear my best pair of jeans." Like right. me, if if you ever catch me wearing jeans, I I almost never wear jeans. I love I love joggers because I I like being comfortable. So when I wear jeans, it's just like you know I'm 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 coming to be somewhat 
business casual, maybe a little, a, a tad below business casual kind of thing. But like, I'm putting on my, my best pair of jeans because I mean, I only have two pairs. I got a black pair and then I got a blue pair. That's it. They both look, look good. And I'm like, well, all right, I'm, I'm gonna wear one of these to look decent, to look presentable. And then of course, I'm gonna wear some Nikes or some Jordans or something like that. So maybe some Yeezys, who knows? But you're a shoe <laughs> I do, I do. I got, I got. What is it? Twenty, twenty-three pairs of shoes right now. I'm, I'm building my collection, man. I, I really like to, I really like to collect stuff and hoodies. I like, I love my hoodies. But like, when, when, when would people look at something like that and respect what the person's putting forth? You know sure. what I'm saying? Well, Philip, Philip, stop right there. The answer is in your question. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not respecting somebody else's point of view. Like you're expecting everybody to form to your idea of best or business casual. And, and, et cetera. and the thing is, is I, I, I never understood this uh, way of thinking within the American evangelical church is why do when somebody comes to Christ or somebody comes to your church, why do why does everybody need to be clones of each other? Yeah. Like that's that, a big one. That, that, that's a big one, though. That rings <laughs> kind of cult. Yeah, that, like, like it rings kind of cultic to me. Yeah, because big facts. Like, oh, big facts. There's no diversity. Like, 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 like black guys can't really wear their hair. Like if, in a, if you're in a predominantly white church, then you can only wear your hair low cut, right? Right. That's what's expected of you. And if you wear it high, if you wear, or if you decide to get dreads, you know, oh, God forbid you oh, try oh, to get dreads. Don't get locked. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. God forbid you try to get dreads. People are going to think that you backslid and everything else. Black women, if black women wear their hair in something other than pressed out, um, you know, putting a flat iron that's going to damage their hair to their hair or putting some sort of um, perm in their hair to straighten out their hair, then it's like, oh, like, I'll give you a prime example. A church I went to. She got a chill. A, a church I went to. Ooh. Um, a church I went to was uh, there was this black man and black woman. They were brother and sister that came to the church. They're new, new converts and everything. Um, and uh, so some of the sisters who were Caucasian, they were older, were uh, commenting on the sisters' hair. And she would wear one of those, you know, have you seen one of them gold wigs that black women wear? Yeah. So she was wearing one of those, right? And she would come, her and her brother would come, and they would sing, dance, and shout. Honestly, they were out praying everybody in that building. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, they were, they were prayer warriors, and they were brand new converts. And um, so they made the comment, they're like, what she's wearing on her head, her wig is immodest. And immodest hair. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> when, when, not Aaron, uh, not Aaron. Um, Justin, that was literally my expression when I was told it. And I was like, seriously? And they're like, yeah, what she's wearing is her, her wig is immodest. And it does not honor God. And her brother caught it. Okay, buddy. And he yeah, her, her brother caught wind of it, and he said, he told me and my best friend, he was like, you want to know why she wears that wig? I was like, why? I was like, I, I told him, I was like, I mean, I don't really care, but 
humor me. And he was like, well, um, when she was younger, our dad was very abusive. And one day he decided to pour acid on her head. A child now. A child. He decided to pour acid on a child's head. And from then on, she's always been insecure about the way her head looks and the way her hair looks. And so she's always wore a wig because of that. But they don't know that. They're Never just judging her saying that. Exactly. They're just judging her saying that, oh, her wearing a wig is immodest. Da, 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 da. You don't know why she wore that. Right. To her, that was to her. She felt in her head. I need to give my best to God. And my natural hair at this point is not my best. So I'm going to wear a wig. For one, so she can feel comfortable. And two, she can give her best to God. And while she was trying to give her best to God, she got criticized for it. They got church people judging. But I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, so Emily brings up a good point. She's like, why is the dress code more, more formal on Sunday mornings? But yet on Wednesday nights, like midweek services and Sunday nights, it's kind of a bit more relaxed. And you know what's funny is I had this. I'm like, how is it that the same people that be like, you need, like, we expect everybody to wear a, a, a suit with a tie show up to a midweek service with no tie? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to stir the pot too much. Stir it, sir. But could it be that part of it is because we have an idolatry of Sunday morning? Yes. Now you're now you're stirring the pot. <laughs> now you're stirring the pot, sir. Woo! I but, wanted. I was. I was thinking of something. I thought I about like, that too. I, I wanted I to creep into there because I was like, I was like, we 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 have fed into this into this ideology that the most powerful service is the Sunday morning service. Yes, and like. We expect God to move in that service, right? Not the Wednesday service. So I was or the uh, and, and, and the, other, the Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. God is supposed to move in that service, okay? So and and I program it. move. <laughs> Historically, we worship on Sundays because Christ rose on Sunday. Which is great. That's fine. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good with church on Sunday, but I'm also good with a church that says, "Hey, you know what? We do our services on Tuesday nights." I'm good with a church that mm-hmm. says, "We do church on Saturday." I don't mm-hmm. care because here's the truth: it doesn't matter what day Jesus got up. All that matters is that he got up. And all hey. that matters is the gathering. Of the same. Uh, so, like, if Jesus if Jesus died on a Wednesday, <laughs> you know, we would be worshiping on Wednesdays to celebrate to commemorate commemorate that. But I think we got to we've gotten to a point in in Western culture, especially, where we have this worship of a particular day almost, um, and it's become almost like this religious. Thing the same as like the Sabbath, like it's got to be Sundays. And and if I can just be a little futuristic here, I think that the next wave that's coming is going to be you're going to start seeing more churches that say we don't do Sunday morning service, we do other days of the week. 
Yeah. I think that's, I think, especially when you start talking about coming out of this pandemic, um, it's, it's, that's going to be the thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Western Christianity, we got it. We, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna I'm just touch this and leave it alone. But Western Christianity has provoked so many ridiculous beliefs and 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 just weird. Cause like, okay, this does Emily make, just em, Emily just hit it right on the head. <laughs> yeah, tradition over things that truly matter. So I noticed in the Bible, you know, we read about the story of the prodigal son, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus tells this story. And not once did he ever say prodigal. Not once. No, we call so it Where did we get this name from, prodigal? Because wow. the whole time I'm thinking, oh yeah, the story of the prodigal son, Jesus. And then I read it, and what? And Jesus describes him as the son. Mm. But we are calling him the prodigal. But Western civilization says the prodigal son. Like, and 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 yes, y'all have used it to 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 talk about powerful comeback stories from the world and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's a good sermon. It's a good sermon topic. I get it. It, it is. But Jesus called him the son. Son. It, exactly. it didn't matter where he went and what he oh, did. He was still yes. the son. But we call him the prodigal. So, hey. and so, and I, I, I think about it because I'm so like, where did we get this from? Western civilization, and Western civilization has so many traditional things that if you defer from that, You're, then all of you are a sudden, heretic. You are heretical. Right. You are you are off the word. You are disrespectful. I've heard that phrase in so long. And I'm sitting up here like. Off word, <laughs> <laughs> because one day, and, and and this is something like Justin, I told you that I, I've been spending a lot of time studying, and when I came across this passage, the the heading, because I was I was actually reading in a different translation alongside the King James version, and the heading says the prodigal son, and then I'm like, yep. okay, cool, I'm about to read about the prodigal son. When I read all the way down and to the end of the chapter, I'm like, wait a minute. I never saw the word prodigal not one time. In Interesting, this- isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing is, like, whenever you start to mess with people's tradition, mm-hmm. they lose respect for you because you're yeah. not yeah. doing things the way that they have seen it been done all along. This exactly. So and that and, I think, is- and, and where that's where the huge disconnect, not only amongst generations but against church at large yeah because you have this that wants to do things differently but you have this church that's like oh they're off the word blah 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 they're they're a bunch of heretics because they're trying to do it that way right i think when you know it's like when when churches started putting lights and smoke and all that kind of stuff in their churches oh Oh, boy performing you're you're trying to make it like that you know, Phil, right. they got up there. Hey, 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 they got up there. You're trying to make it like the club. And I'm just like, bro, chill. Chill. It's right, right. About the- like, okay, right. buddy. 
Yeah, it's like, I'm telling you right now, we don't need lights. We don't need smoke. We just need the Holy Ghost. And I'm just like, good for you, buddy. Good for you. But and, And I think we touched on this last time, but... Like, haven't you, but I don't know if you've noticed, because, like, we, we didn't live back in that generation. But right. a lot of the hymns that are written in our hymn book. Oh, come on. Are similar to tunes that were sang in bar song, in, in bars. Yep. That's and because we're saying on, were on borrowed. And stuff. Yeah. So, like, and then nowadays, you have the more contemporary style of music. You got, I mean, we have we have an interesting space in the Christian music scene right now. We have the contemporary, mm-hmm. which is more of the kind of pop rock. They try to be a lot like the what's on the Billboard charts. Then you got the hip hop artist that everybody thinks is off the word because <laughs> the track, because they come from black people. So they're like, wow, that's got to be that's got to be unholy because they're they're, they're used to. Um, what people usually talk about on those beats is women and drinking and drugs, but yet you can make a Christian country song that usually country music talks about women and drinking and I mean All the stop same stuff. Stuff. <laughs> so I mean so it's a, it's a weird it's a weird di- dynamic we have and I, I like it and then in the middle you kind of have Maverick City music and Elevation Worship. <laughs> you just have Love them Maverick. Oh and right. and, and now. Can't now, nobody uh, be mad about them because they are they have written songs that have spanned the globe, transformed people's lives. You can't you really can't say nothing about it. Mm-hmm. But and, and it, it's just funny because when that stuff started happening, like when when this new music scene kind of came on the scene, then all of a sudden they were like, "Yeah, they're trying to be like the world." Mm-hmm. What do our hymns sound like if you go back to the day that they were written? What similar song was in the world? That that hymn was inspired by, the words. Right. Are good. The words are good. Well, about the melody. Do you know? Uh, you know the song. You know Zacardi Cortez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So he was singing a song. Uh, I just want to praise him. Oh, and, they don't copy. Yep, I've heard it. Yeah. So pretty much, like if you listen to the 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 song, like the genre of the song, that's from the seventies. Like that's the that's the that's the '70s era. Um, I'm trying to think of the genre they used to play that back in the day, but like that's the that's the era that the world like the the, the kind of songs. The yeah, world it was, was like the Earth, Wind, and Fire, OJ's like that yeah, style. acoustic sounding. You know, like uh, very funky bass. Yeah, right. Very 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 boxy acoustic. Yeah. And the thing is, it's just like. Like he was like, I'm taking you back to 1976, and I'm just like, but like Philip was saying, you're gonna look at a Christian hip hop rapper, and if I say it, that's sacrilege, a Christian hip hop rapper, and be like, oh, he's he's wrong, right? Right. But you, like Philip said, you look back the songs like the quartets that we grew up on, the Jackson Southerners, the Canton Spirituals, like those guys. They were mimicking what was being played at that yeah. time. Because dudes used to be in quartets in bars and barbershops singing secular songs. Or some That's- of it was borrowed from the church. True. And, True. you True. know, I, in, in fact, a lot of the people that sang secular music, they came up in church and took what they got 
from the church out into these secular arenas, um, which I think, I I don't even know that that, I don't think it disagrees with the point you guys just made. I think it proves music is just music. It's a frequency that everybody can vibe with. Yeah. But this is also another thing. It kind of goes back to the point that I made earlier is like, you have some people that like um, Christian hip hop. You got some people that like Christian country or rock. Neither is wrong, but they're a preference. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's Christian uh, screamo. Yeah, there's. I mean, Skillet. Have you have you have you all heard of Skillet? They're like a Christian like metal band, kind of. Yeah, and I've it, heard them live. It was it was uh it was loud. Loud, exactly. So it's like you can be interested in those things, whatever, whatever. But when you come together and bring all that flavor, all those different notes and to, to, to the to the the harm the harmonic and then you make music. You make livable music, not not yeah. literal music, but living music because that's what God intended is for us to be different but be in the kingdom. And this is the reason why we have different kinds of preachers and different kinds of pastors and different kinds of churches because every church kind of has their own culture every pastor kind of has his way of talking and delivering and communicating with his congregation every preacher has their different way and 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 it's because there's so many there's so much experience there's so much flavor out there to go around for everybody yes. somebody yes. Yeah. Like at some point but if you segregate yourself because you don't like the way this other church is doing, then you're breaking the unity. You can't say, oh, we're a unified church when you're segregating yourself from the rest of the bo- of the body. Absolutely. You mean you're only unified, they mean they're only unified with the people that agree with them. Exactly. Right. And that's and easy. The thing is, yeah, it's so easy. It is so, so easy. The thing is, 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 is through this time, I've, I've had to learn how to be unified with my, uh, racist brother or sister or uh my um republican brother or sister and it's hard because it's like it's like if if they believe everything that is the antithesis of your existence right Mm. um how how can you achieve unity and it's not an easy task at all it is hard it's very hard um i think uh, uh, an example um, is Jesus in the scriptures is with the apostles, and they they saw this before you know uh, before Christ ascended, and they saw a man who the Bible says he was casting out devils, he was healing people, um, but he wasn't one of the apostles, but he was doing all of the work that Christ had commissioned them to do when he sent them out two by two. And they told Jesus, hey, Jesus, this guy is not one of us. He's not a direct follower of you and he's out here doing this work. You should, you know, hey, like we need to call down fire on this guy and put a stop to it. And Jesus is like, hey, chill out. Like this is not the right attitude to have towards this man. Um, If he's not against us, he's for us. And I think that the lesson to grab out of that, to make the point in our discussion, 
is that just because someone is different does not mean that they are demonic. Thank you. And I think so many times we think that our opinion is the word of God. When it's just our opinion. (laughs) And that's all it is. (laughs) And that's all it will ever be. And so we have got to get to the point where we stop um, making our opinions God's opinions. Yeah. And and stop assuming that just because that's how you see it, that that is the only way to see it and be right. I well, think like... what... Go ahead. <clears throat> I was just going to say, I, I think that sometimes what we miss, and this is a big piece of why we end up in so much conflict, is we don't realize how much of life should be lived in the gray because we're trying to make everything black and white. Mm, yeah, that's very true. You know, and, and the thing is, is is that word you said, gray, um, living in the gray, that scares a ton of Christians. Well, yes. it scares a lot of realistic Christians because they're like, well, what do I do? What do I do? And it's just like, just, just let God lead you, man. And that's the thing. The difference in being confident in what you believe and then preferring something that isn't of salvific nature. Right, right. Because here's the thing. It's okay to have a personal opinion or even conviction that is not biblical. That's okay. That's fine. But that's also only for you. Facts. That's just for (laughs) you. For you. Just you, man. But but the the thing is, is, is the problem with the American Evangelical Church is that the pastor will say, this is what God has been dealing with me on. Mm-mm. And it's just like, Mm-mm. it turns into something that's his opinion. It's not, oh, he was reading in the word of God and then God gave him this revelation. And that that that's not the type of dealing with I'm talking about. I'm talking about, oh, yeah, uh, the Lord's been dealing with me on this. And then it's this, yeah. he has this opinion. And it's just like, sorry, my guy, but if God's been dealing with you on that, keep that to yourself. Oh man! Because there was no, there was no scripture to back yourself up. Because everything that that comes to your mind isn't for you to preach. Mm-mm. No, nope. no. And, and and usually immature preachers don't get that until it's too late. Yeah, right. Preach everything on their mind. <laughs> I also think yeah. that, well, one other thing, one other big. Uh, you could say narrative that the Western civilization has has pushed as far as the church goes is they're like, oh, the the, the church shouldn't be like the world. And That's that trips awesome. people up because then you're just like, well, what is the world like? And then you realize that the world is just a big bucket of different flavors. So how can you say not to be like the world? Let's let's deal with this really quick. I heard Miles Monroe talk about this. God rest his soul. Religion. I I said God rest his soul. What a wonderful wonderful teacher. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. He said something that was so interesting. 
He said there is a difference between the earth and the world. Oh, facts. I did. Yeah, I, I, got, I got that stuff written down in my notes, man. <laughs> I like that. Now, There's a in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Right. Yeah. But the Bible then says that the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the mm -hmm. world, and they that dwell therein. Right. So it's a it, it's not the, the earth and the world are not the same thing. The earth is the planet. Right. But the planet world earth. is a system. Facts. And when Jesus came, he said, I have overcome the world, meaning that I live under a different set of rules. And I mm -hmm. think that the problem that we have had is as believers, we have tried to make not being like the world reactionary. Mm -hmm. And so whatever they do, we don't do. Exactly. And so exactly. instead of and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and having a can do and having a leadership and a forward thinking model, we have to wait for the world to do something so we know what we can do. Facts. <laughs> and so we say stuff like don't don't have don't have lights in the church because that's like a club. Well, why couldn't the church do it first? Who's We're to say that the church didn't do it first? That's another because people. I don't think people realize a lot of the world gets a lot of what it does from the church. In many instances, but many in instances. most in most instances, we are several years behind. The reason I'm, why is because I think that when the world takes something from the church, they develop it. They get more creative with it, and then they present it differently so we get left behind while it seems as if the world is propelling forward like take our take 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 christian songwriting for example i remember especially in the past 10 years i remember there being so many tracks and and songs that came out that topped the billboard charts and then not too long after that there was a christian song that was very very similar to that song in melody in flow somehow some message or, or, or something it was always similar and i'm like why can't we just be original and creative right why, and, and why the thing is i think we have the creative minds for sure I think, honestly some of the world's top creatives come from the church and when you start talking about the construct of a local church honestly there is no better place for for youth to express creativity in in a community the church provides the best space for that or should the new model of church maybe doesn't but you know yeah. coming up when you could play your music and you could we would do plays and you could do your poems and you could do your speeches and all, all like there was no there's no better space to cultivate the creativity uh uh than the local church however I think that what happens is when as you become older and, and and they start having ideas of what if we did this, what that's when we start running into where we started with these these clashes of generations. 
of people feeling like, like something is too far or feeling like something is too yeah. much uh, or something is yeah. displeasing to God. And so uh, a lot of times the reason that the world has uh, the edge on the church as it pertains to the speed of advancement is because in many instances in the world, they don't have a cap on creativity. Nope. For instance, and there's no, nobody telling them how things have been and that's how things should continue to be. Right. Yeah. They're like, do what you do. If it's good, it, it gets promoted. If it's bad, it just kind of gets lost in the, the sea. Well, for instance, like, like for one of those things that, um, like one of the things that I'm not really a fan of when it comes to church is uh, uh, the sign team. Like I've never been a fan of that, right? And so I can sit up here and be like, like I'm not a fan of that all I want, right? But if it blesses somebody, somehow, some way, if it blesses somebody and it reaches them, why does my preference need to be at the forefront of things? Right. Thanks. Shouldn't the advancement of the kingdom of God be at the forefront? Mm -hmm. You know, so, so like, so it's just like, I, I can't get or get over how people think, you know, they say, oh, I don't like this. It's like Philip was saying it last week uh, or a week, two weeks ago when he brought clip tracks to the, to the praise team. And then people were just saying, oh, I don't like that. And it's just like, I mean, hey man, come on! It's just like, come on. Not like the music it doesn't to make it unholy. Exactly, <laughs> and and that's what people have equated it. I don't like it, and I'm older, so that makes it sinful. And it's like it's not sinful. But 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 like, but like I said, that that comes from the that comes from the old Western civilization sermon topic of we don't need to be like the world. Well, let's if you're if you're gonna say that, at least have the due diligence to define what the world is. Right, you know, because because you the broad terms are like if you can jump at a football game, you can jump at church to get people to applaud your sermon. That's not really that good. I, like, I hate hate that analogy so so much. I was listening to a like, sermon. The first hundred times I heard it, I was like, okay, cool. I get it. You it, want it, people it, to it, shout it, at every word that you speak behind the pulpit, but that's just not gonna. <laughs> Dude, it irks me so much. I was listening to a sermon that was live. I'm not going to say who it was because everybody would probably you know, <laughs> think bad of me for saying this. But he's a very I'll, – I'll tell you all in the chat. But he's a very well-known preacher in Pentecost. And he was just like, yeah, uh, he said, God is good. And everybody was like, amen. And he was just like, oh, that's not good enough. I said, God is good. He's like, yeah, if you're at a football game. I was like, bro, what are you but but let's address that <laughs> oh, if we're going to use and this might be a little messy but if we're going to use <laughs> that <laughs> analogy let's talk about this the football team spent time oh, practicing <laughs> the football team spent time learning their routes and their moves. Mm -hmm. So the people are cheering in response to what the football team 
prepared to do. Yeah. Not only that, but the but but they put their allegiance in said football team because the football team has presented themselves in a way that people should pledge their allegiance to them. There's a reason why people love certain teams and they are willing to fight people yes. over those teams. Why isn't yes. that the case for a lot of churches? And so all I'm saying is if you're going to use that analogy, then you can't. You can't be bringing up that Saturday night special on Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, and then I've heard preachers say, oh, you guys are really quiet. Um, you, you guys aren't really paying attention, but I bet you'd be paying attention during that, that Netflix special that you binged for six hours. I'm like, yeah, because you're boring, and that was interesting. <laughs> well, actually, no. I, I fell asleep on that, too. <laughs> uh, to be Anytime I watch a show, I end up falling asleep because usually I'm bored. Anyway. You know, I, I, I find more I find more my more entertainment on YouTube, to be honest, than I do Netflix and stuff. But I mean, Kill Kill does bring up a good point. And I mean, I don't want to just always, you know, bash the preachers, you know, because, because really a lot of them just repeat what they've heard. Sure. It's and, a, you know, it's a thing. I listen to you thing to say because you know you're going to get some amens and some hand claps. So you just say it because you. Yeah. You feel, I heard T.D. Jake say this. A lot of young preachers like to, I was about to say this. Yeah, a lot of young preachers like to just keep up the noise in the building. They like to preach for amens. They like for people to clap and stuff because they're insecure about their material. And right. he said, you are, when you have studied and when you are, are confident and secure in what you feel God has given you, you don't need the approval from people. Now, to the to the to the to the other side of that to the flip side of that i have heard people explain that whenever you know you put all that time and stuff into a message and then you give it and as you're giving it you're kind of giving out virtue to the people and usually the a sign of kind of getting that virtue back a little bit is uh, a, a reception like an, an amen every now and then or something so I, I i see both sides but i'm mm -hmm. more yeah. inclined to lean to the side that you every message does not you don't have to have people shouting all the time some mess some messages uh, uh ge patterson said this some messages it's almost a disgrace for people to sit there and shout in the message because thank you because you you should want to hear yeah everything you should, else you should want to sit down take notes and listen and right. then but then come to the altar and apply it and be changed from that day forward. Not just come and shout and leave and you right. got to Because every sermon has a different uh, moment or point, should I say, as it pertains to what it is supposed to do for people. There are some sermonic moments that are designed for inspiration. Mm -hmm. And... Okay. If it's designed for inspiration, that makes sense on the shout. And sometimes you'll have multiple moments within the same sermon. Um, it's designed to inspire. Uh, other times it might be designed to inform. Um, so sit down and listen. But <laughs> if you're in an information sermon where you are sharing with them a new knowledge, um, that is not the appropriate time for people to be screaming and hollering and shouting and dancing. Um, no, 
it may be more appropriate in that scenario for them to be seated and be silent um, and to take notes and to, you know, uh, really have materials to research later on, um, okay. you know. And so I think we've got to get out of that trying to force people to say amen to affirm uh, what it is that we're saying uh, or what we're not saying, but yeah. that, you know, we should get to the point where we're so confident that we are delivering what it is that God would have us to deliver in those moments that regardless of what this, the, the, uh, the applause or, or lack thereof of the people is that we are confident that, Hey, I delivered this exactly as I was supposed to. Yeah, exactly how I was instructed to, 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 to deliver it. And, um, and, and yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll go and wrap up. I think Kel, Kel got disconnected, but um, we've been going for about about an hour and, and some change now. But I mean, saying all that, and, and like I said at the beginning, like this is a subject that you can really branch out and really oh, man. You can go everywhere. Do it because respect goes deeper than just shallow things. Respect penetrates the heart, really. Yeah, and the heart is a is something that's honestly complex, and people don't people barely like to change their minds less their hearts <laughs> so you know it, it's something that has to go deeper and and bringing all of all of these examples to light just further prove the point that really the the um the antidote to disrespect is communication open communication that's really the antidote to, to disrespect like we, we we really shouldn't have an attitude that we don't want to hear somebody else's opinion, whether it yeah. be somebody with a different generation or somebody that's not in the same frame, like state of mind, frame of mind kind of thing. Like we shouldn't be quick to, to dispose of those people's opinions and their experiences and stuff like that. Like I said, like there's something out there for everybody and there should be, like there should be a church out there for everybody. There should be a, a music, a musician, an artist out there there for everybody there should be a preacher out there for everybody there should be a pastor out there for everybody sure everything everybody should have something and especially and that's especially should be in the church like we should have something for everybody because everybody comes from different walks of life right mm -hmm. some people are on the pew some people uh come straight from the world some people come from athe atheism some people come from islam so like you kind of need all that flavor in order just to really reach people on a deeper level um and 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 that's really kind of the point we want to make is is or or, or at least i want to make is i want people to be open in their communication um Absolutely. it doesn't matter what it is like really really don't whenever you're listening to somebody don't listen to respond but listen to digest what they're saying to digest where they're coming from like put yourself in their shoes as they're explaining it and digest what they're saying without a light going off in your head to be like, oh, I need to say this reply so that I can come back and try to prove them wrong because that'll never work ever. So, you know, those are those are uh, kind of my closing thoughts. Caleb, I'll, I'll go to pass it to you for your closing thoughts. Um, uh, honestly, guys, uh, we, 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 we have some work to do. We got some work to do to, uh, to try and uh, make Christianity um, better and more, uh, I guess you could say. Yeah.
Can you hear him, Justin? No. He just disappeared. Hmm. It's kind of strange. Well, it looks like you disappeared, Caleb, so I'll try to, try to get back in. Um, Justin, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go ahead and pass it to you for your closing thoughts. Sure thing. Um, I'll, I'll kind of pick up right there where, where Caleb just was there. We definitely have a lot of work to do. Um, and I think that uh, our generation has to really pick up the torch of uh, making sure that Christianity has a proper reputation and that, you know, um, that when our time of running the race is over that uh, we have done our very best to ensure that the church has um, a fighting chance, man. And that the church, I, I mean, we know that the church will never be destroyed and all that kind of stuff, but the way that God is going to preserve the church is by using people as preservers. And um, when it comes down to this respect thing, I think that we, let's look at it this way. Instead of me looking at how I can get respect, let me align my actions so that God gets respect. Thanks. And I believe that we will be much more successful in bridging our gaps when the ultimate purpose we have is to ensure that we are unified, that the love of Christ is spread abroad in our hearts in that when we're done, we make the church stronger. When we're done, we make Christianity have a more solid reputation. Um, you know, we have to think about that. What does the church look like when I'm done with it? Mm -hmm. What what does it what what am I handing down to the next generation? Especially those of you who are in the millennial generation where we are starting to be the ones that are raising up and we are being the voices of of leadership uh, in Christianity, we have to really pay strong attention to what are we leaving behind for the, uh, I think it is Generation Z uh, that is coming up. Um, you know, what are they seeing when they look at our generation? Uh, and the kids that are being born into this world even now, What what is it? that we're going to hand to them. As much as we complain, we have to realize, uh, you know, we can complain about what the generations ahead of us have handed to us, but we have to understand that we are responsible for defining what this is for the generation that comes up after us. Thanks. And so um, I, I would say, just to, my last phrase here would be, that even when others aren't doing their part, do your best. Mm. Yeah. And I think if we all take that attitude, we'll start to see that uh, bit by bit, we pick up each other's slack. Yeah. Very true. Go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, so um, as I was saying, I would say we, in order for us to, uh, I guess, make Christianity a bit more palatable, um, to people is that we need to the church needs to take on a attitude of being um, open to conversation and wanting to have dialogue um, we need to get out of the mindset that we should just be shut off from the world because 
How can you reach the world if you're shut off from the world? You can't. They're, they're, because the thing is, is I've seen it. I've seen it play out where people try to witness to worldly or witness to people in the world that are not Christians, and you know because they're so closed off, because they have this elitist mindset, they can't reach that person. The person sees through them. So mm-hmm. we we as the church need to take more of a attitude of being open and having a dialogue. And um, that's not going to happen without communication between generations and understanding one another. Because if you can't try and understand the other person, um, then you're not going to get anywhere. Now, I said understand. I did not say agree with. You may not agree with what somebody does, but you can at least try to understand it. Because yeah, when, that person, sees that, when that person sees that you understand them, that's my alarm. Um, when that person sees that you understand them and that you're not just trying to uh, shut them out and tell them that they're wrong and terrible, then harmony will start accumulating. And and I, I personally think that things will get better. OK, they might say, OK, well, you know, you, you've listened to them. You've understood them. They're going to be more willing to say, OK, what do you think? Where, where do you think we should go with this? Um, so we just need to have a more healthy relationship, more healthy relationship, more communication, and just let's not be so closed off to the world because you cannot reach a world that you are secluded from. And that's all I got. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, great, great, great points. I mean, both of you, um, and, and, and Caleb, I like, I like the point you brought up. I mean, how, how really can you effectively evangelize if you're not connected to the people you're trying to evangelize to. Um, yeah. So in, in the context of the church, it's some that's definitely something to keep in mind. But um, but yeah, thank you all for, for joining us. Uh, those of you that are joining us after the fact, thank you for watching. We do appreciate it. Yes. Um, and, and we do appreciate every like, every comment, every every follow, um, and every share. We really do appreciate it. We really appreciate the support that y'all been giving us so far. And um, of course, our, our our number one fan, day one, Emily. We appreciate you for being here and, and and interacting and everything. We always appreciate you and have a good time whenever you're here. But um, but yeah, we hope that this would start a conversation um, among you, and your friends, and your circle. Um, we pray that uh, that you know we said something here that uh, that helped shift your perspective, maybe inspired you a little bit, or just caused you to think. That's really the goal here. So again, thank you all for joining us, and um, we will see you next time on Voice of the Millennials podcast. God bless. More grace. More grace. (laughs) All right. All right, y'all.